Welcome to BizNow Reports. I'm Miriam Hall. In this weekly audio series from BizNow, the global leader in commercial real estate news and events, we'll be tackling some of the biggest questions facing the industry and economy at large. On this episode, Nadir Settles, Managing Director and Head of the New York office at Asset Manager Nuveen. Nadir is in charge of Nuveen's New York portfolio and investments, and he's talking us through some of the properties the firm's interested in picking up in the next little while. He's also talking about some of the new initiatives at Nuveen to help build a diverse pipeline of talent and why it's so important that people realize that a career in real estate isn't just about selling homes. But we're talking here first about a subject that all office owners care a lot about right now, getting workers back and just how much remote work is going to affect their business. Yeah, we're back. We just redeveloped our headquarters. I think we're getting a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of our you know, employees want to come back and they love the office. And so we've been back now for the better half of two months or so. We're working through waves and we'll continue to do that as we approach the top of the year. How's leasing going? Because we all know that New York City office is not flavor of the month. That's how I heard it described the other day. <laughs> you know what? And, and, and I think that's becoming a little bit of a, a misnomer here, right? So investment sales just hit record highs. Yeah. When you look at that, um, you know, multifamily industrial life science are plenty of sector tailwinds. Yeah. Um, when you look at sort of leasing, so there's plenty of tenants back in the market. Um, you know, your typical fire tenants, so everybody thought Tammy. Tammy is certainly leading the way, but when you talk about fire tenants are also in, in the market yeah. right now. Occupancy is up. So when you think about where we were in sort of high single digits, if touching the teens, yeah. call it a year ago, we're approaching something like 30 to 40% physical occupancy, which is a tremendous improvement. Mm-hmm. When you talk about uh, all of the different metrics that sort of indicate walkability or mobility, right? Trains, pe- more traffic, people moving around the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you go out to a restaurant now, it's full. So I think New York is starting to come back Investment sales certainly indicate people are interested in investments. It's just a divergence around what people want to buy, right? People are really interested in the industrial sector. People are really interested in multifamily. People are really interested in medical office or lab, uh, life science. Uh, Traditional office is struggling, and we should point that out, (laughs) is that it's not New York. It's traditional office is struggling, and I'd say that's commoditized traditional office, and not if it's glass and steel, new development like a one vandy which is doing really well as you see some of the leasing going on there or some of the leasing going on in the hudson yards and some of the new product there it's also maybe regional struggling because we're seeing even though not brand new glass and steel buildings but newer buildings where the talent wants to work at in midtown south Mm. there's some momentum down there so when you think about traditional midtown and commoditized buildings i think yes that hasn't hit the right balance yet Um, And I think there will be an inflection point between when people start to occupy and those buildings starting to look more attractive. Are you one of those people that is accepting of the fact that work from home is going to play a role or do you think that's a passing fad? No, it's here forever. All right. And it's okay because I think, especially how we're looking at it in Nuveen, is that our buildings are here to accommodate people's lifestyle, Mm -hmm. meaning that you can work from home or we'll have portfolio access to where if you work in New Jersey or you work in a city and you need sort of a space to go work, we're setting it up to where 
within our app and our technology, you'll be able to reserve a space in one of our remote buildings because our portfolio, so being a tenant with us in one building would actually have access to our portfolio around the metro area, and that actually provides convenience because right. then somebody's like, well, my home really wasn't set up, but I just need to work from home to accommodate my lifestyle, and I think work from home, you know, remote work will be here to stay, and it'll all be about how does the landlord sort of accommodate those tenants' lifestyle of the employees. Yeah, it's going to be really competitive, isn't it? Like, the office has to be better than home now. Yes. And it's not, like you were saying before, it's not the psychological thing of, oh, I go to the office during the day, it's over. That's gone now. It's got to be better. (laughs) Yeah, that is. Like, you know, we just redeveloped our office and where you're seeing, we just talked about, the, we have the least momentum that it's in those better buildings, right? It's the amenities, it's the design, it's the health and wellness, it's, it's the location. All of that has to check the box down. Mm-hmm. And that all has to come to get way, together in a way that the employees say, wow, I want to be here. It's, it's, it makes me excited. The neighborhood, my building, everything makes me excited. And that's where it won't be a revolution for employees and employers to come on to get on the same page around hey you come in three times a week but I think that you know it's hard to see that a five-day work week will be enforced I think there is going to be a hybrid model that survives. Does hybrid scare you do you think as an office operator? No it doesn't because you know you can't lease three times you got to be on a lease so how you choose to use your space is going to be more of a I think it's going to become more of a recruiting and retaining because if the next employer is saying that yeah we run flex space here you come in three days a week because there's certain aspects that I think all employers realize is that you have to be in the office for certain reasons right there's culture there's professional development there's mentoring mm. right there's collaboration there's this serving up this moments you have to be in the office no one's given up on that but what I think we're, we're no employer is given up on that but what I think they're starting to realize as well is that Okay, maybe a, maybe a hybrid model is sensible. We saw that it can work full time. So maybe that is sensible. We can't be one extreme or the other. We've got to be balanced. Mm-hmm. And then the other aspect is you don't want your competitor doing it and you don't do it. I think they got to start thinking about that because then there's a recruitment element to it is that if firm A and firm B, all things being equal, offer competitive pay, same benefits, but one firm says, hey, yeah, you can come over and work three days a week. Mm-hmm. Where are people going to go, right? So I think it's going to become more of a of a employer issue versus landlord because you can't rent space from us on a fractional basis, right? <laughs> right? Okay. If once you sign a seven, ten year lease, you're in that lease, right? So you're selling. I understand Nuveen's selling a Fifth Avenue building, right? They've just brought That's it to right. market. So would you consider that a sort of a testing of the office market right now to see what that goes for, what people are willing to pay? You know, it's a testing for the office market in a non-trophy, non-sort-of-new-glass-and-steel, non right? It's a renovated building. It's, it's, it's a really renovated cool. building. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it, the renovation came out amazing. Mm-hmm. It's in an irreplaceable location overlooking the park in an improving area, right? You're going to have um, WeWork down the street. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the, the Lord & Taylor building yeah. that WeWork bought that now Amazon is going to own. You're going to have that down the street. You're going to have um, just Fifth Avenue in general and the Grand Central Improvement. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're in a great location, but it's not a glass and steel building. So I wouldn't say it tests the market in the same way where you see 410 10th Avenue trade at a, you know extremely attractive yeah. cap rates and all these kind of deals with long-term credit and sort of trophy buildings. 
this will be a different test of the market on does just kind of a traditional rehabilitated building sort of trade in, in a really competitive way. Because it's shooting for like 300 million, yeah. I think. Yeah, so that's kind of what you're expecting it yes. would trade for. And that will set the bar, you think, for what office buildings of that ilk yes. are going to sell for. Yes. I see. Yes. So just talking generally about office, I know that you've just closed the fund. What is it, 200 million? 260. 260 million. Yeah. It's, in with, in, it's with Taconic, Taconic correct. Yes. Okay. So what sorts of properties would you look for? Would you look for, say, an office building? It's geographic limitations, but it's sector diversified. And so we're looking at the sectors with the tailwinds that make the most sense. So we're looking at industrial. We're even looking at retail. I mean, you're starting to see really? people back out. We're even looking at retail. We're looking at medical office, life science. We're looking at office, ground up development office, as well as re, you know rehabilitated office. So we can go to where we think the smart play is, mm -hmm. and our pipeline is pretty diversified. Why New York? Because all I ever hear is, oh, we're looking in Phoenix, we're looking in Denver. We still like the fundamentals of New York, right? New York still has the talent. Employees want to be in New York. It still is a diversified city. It still is a. It still is the major economy of, of of the U.S. Right. So when you think about New York, COVID happened, but it didn't evaporate all of its fundamentals. Its fundamentals are still here, and we think that there's still plenty of opportunity. So life science, industrial, those sorts of things. Yes. And you, it's all in the New York area. New York Metro. So Metro. yeah, so New York meaning yeah, you know, MSA, so New Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island, New York City. I'm interested to hear you say that you're interested in retail because I, I, when I write about retail, it's never a, a good news yeah. story, I gotta say. <laughs> like yeah, last, yeah. last time I wrote about retail was Venado selling at a loss. I think it's the contrarian play if you can find the right retail. Right. Right. Um, if you can find something open air, if you can find something that is programmed with the right merchandising, um, doesn't have a Whole Foods in it, doesn't have an Apple, does it? Right. Some of these kind of high profile draws to centers we like. If, is it in the right zip code? You know, that is really going to pull the right sort of. Uh, demographics and, and income levels that you want, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all, and, and, then it's, and then it's what's the relative value. So would you rather chase a deal that's retail and, and the right retail deal that you can buy at a, you know, six cap versus multifamily or, or, or life science that's even starting to compress a lot, right? And so it's just all about the the relative value sometime too on what you see and then what's the opportunity here. And we're pretty set up between our partnership to execute in many facets because we're specialized in how Nuveen is organized and how Taconic is organized is that we can execute very well in retail play. We can execute in industrial, life science, medical office and so forth. And so with that, we don't have a blind spot. I think that's what happens too often is that if you're too, too specific, you might miss an opportunity Whereas we, we're clearly just keeping our heads on a swivel and just looking at all the various different opportunities um, that, that are in the New York metro. So the ABC campus purchase, that's part of that fund, right? It is. Okay, so that's a really interesting acquisition because it's vacant land, a studio, yes. an office building, and it's all going to become life science. No, so the main building is life science. Mm -hmm. So where Disney was headquartered at, yeah is life science. That's going to be a 400,000 like square foot lab. plus wow. lab, high spec, high quality life science mm -hmm. building. The land 
is TBD in the studio could be a repositioned studio further developed maybe you develop a second Cause, studio cause studios are hot right now studios People are hot yeah. right now <laughs> we bought that whole campus to say um, one we were pioneers in Taconic going you know the whole west side and really saying that we were going to sort of create our own cluster because Taconic was down the street on 56th Street right. and they were getting plenty of momentum and they had really learned the life science business and it was just tailwinds from New York around just the public support of it as well as private markets and tenants. One of the reasons that they leave is because they don't have the purpose-built space. Right. And so we saw that asset and it was like, this is perfect. It's vehicular access right off the west side. The, 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 the bones where it used to be a GM manufacturing plant, so the bones, the ceiling height, just, yeah. just the, the envelope that you got was just perfect. And so that we wanted to make into a purpose-built, and then we seen the studio, and we're like, you know, for, for that size studio, so it's one of five in, in Manhattan, so it, it, it's highly valuable. And, and so we were like, wow, okay, we're not in the studio business, but that's great. Um, and then the land is, is just optionality. And so um, that campus together, you know, um, is, is doing really well because um, life science, for one, has just had tailwinds on appreciation and stuff like that. So that's run really well. And then we're getting interest on the studio. And, and, Who's and from? So, like people who want to make their own, like... Operators, yeah. other investment managers that this is what they want to do, mm. you know, get in the studio business right now really? is that's where they decide to sort of point their deployment capital at. And so whether it's, you know, some of the biggest, you know, content providers mm -hmm. are are you know inquiring about it as you know owner occupier kind of thing of right yeah, and yeah. then your investment managers that they just want to get in this business and they'll they'll operate it and, and lease it out to to a content provider what do you love most about this type of work i mean is it is it like putting the deals together is it kind of it, predicting it, where it, the it, the markets or the winds are swinging it's dynamic yeah. in that way yeah it's it's dynamic in that way i think it's a lot of different things right real estate at the at the core of it is very entrepreneurial mm -hmm. And I'm an entrepreneurial guy by nature. And so like you're getting the ability to, if you're developing something, you're helping to create the skyline, right? If you're rehabbing something, you're all in the business plan and the planning, the architects and development of it. And and so that's like a little business. And then, yeah, you, you know, you, you're kind of like looking at and sort of trying to see where the the sectors are sort of unfolding and where the investment opportunity is at and that's exciting and I mean just being a part of New York's um, you know market in general is just exciting and you know you know it's so dynamic it's so many different industries there's so many different tenants that you're dealing with um, that that's just all exciting you grew up in New York you grew up in the Bronx as far that's as I understand right. and but you don't have a real estate background that's, how that's did right. you how did you get in I mean from your upbringing. Yeah. How did you get into real estate or how did you kind of find the way into that career path? It was a bunch of good luck and just keep going, right? So up until 18, I thought real estate was buying and selling homes. Yeah, I think that's and, what most people think. <laughs> yeah, like buying and selling homes with a broker. So if somebody said they wanted to be in real estate, their profession was a broker, mm -hmm. a residential broker, and that, that wasn't that appealing to me. And it wasn't until I sort of was going through schools and business school and went and got a concentration of masters in real estate and started to understand, oh, wow, um, there's a professional career in real estate, which is a lot more institutional than where I was thinking about kind of from a retail perspective. And it's just a fascinating business from many different aspects, whether it's the sector you cover, whether it's debt or equity, it just was multifaceted and dynamic and, and 
how I can participate. Yeah. And and so I you know I I've been on the equity side in various different sectors, but that's how I kind of fell into it, which was nothing intentional about it. I probably could have had a path that was a lot more reduction in my learning curve early on coming out of college because if I would have known I wanted to do real estate going into college, I probably could have took a commercial real introduction to commercial real estate class in another private equity class that my, right, I could have took all these classes, came out, I could have took a modeling class for sure, I'm pretty sure they offer that now in undergrad. And then I would have came out and I would have had all those skill sets and then I probably would have reduced my learning curve from when I actually was, you know, professional. And, uh, and so that, that was my path and I look back and I say it didn't have to be that way. And it's not like that, and it's not that way for all. And so, um, because there are folks that actually somebody before them does know about uh, commercial real estate or, or working on Wall Street or various different other sophisticated professionals, professions, and they actually give them some advice so that, that they actually can get a heads up on being intentional about the classwork they take, maybe even the university you choose. Mm -hmm. Because just because it's a name, you know, it's a, a Ivy League or something, university, maybe that, you know, maybe somebody tells you, you know what, you need to go to X school because you want to do real estate, I think, and that's a rather real estate program mm -hmm. that'll give you a better launcher path. Well, that kind of instruction just saves time. And it could save money because one school could be more expensive than the other, right? Mm -hmm. So all that actually aids in the benefit of society, I think, for all human beings to have access and equity, mm -hmm. but also for the companies because it's reducing people's learning curve. The, the, the earlier you get people, uh, students exposed and on the path, then by the time they become professionals, they actually have a really good understanding of what they're talking about and how they can contribute to your firm. Mm. You've just you've just formed a partnership with um, Project Eston, but I, I'm really familiar with the organisation. Basically, a social um, social social platform that does training and and tries to get people in the industry and expose people to the types of skills and training that you need to get into real estate who wouldn't typically naturally just get it. Um, tell me a little bit about how that came to be with Nuveen and, and Project Destin. Yeah, we're always focused on uh, DNI and how can we improve our efforts and how can we think, you know, be out the box. Like, you know, what do we, what, how do we build a sustainable pipeline? How do we uh, do things that are out the box that actually are impactful? Yeah. And you know, everybody's recruiting at the college level, and I think that's great. And we thought to ourselves, how do you go one level down and recruit from the high school level? And then what benefit does that have yeah. of doing it? And we th when we figured, one, it has a lot of benefit because you're getting them early, you're training them early, you're building a relationship, you're providing mentorship. And then as they matriculate through college, then you've built that relationship to where you can offer, uh, uh, you know, Job, official jobs and they can come and work for your firm but also we can't hire everybody so we the industry now gets better prepared candidates because now as we've mentored and tr helped to train those folks they'll go off and and they'll start to get jobs at other places and these are all diverse candidates mm. and so it's a benefit certainly for us but I think there's a adjacent benefit for the industry. Do you think the pressure's on the industry now to diversify? And Absolutely um, and it needs to be, right? There's, there's no industry that needs to be culturally one way, mm -hmm. right? So diversity is important. It reflects our clients, um, whether it's tenants, whether it's investors, mm -hmm. whether it's lenders, right? And so um, having diversity is only going to make our industry better. And I think the, the pressure is on because, you know, it's been always known that it's been largely a, a white male dominated industry. 
And then after the effects of the pandemic and George Floyd, I think everybody looked around and said, okay, collectively, how do we fix this? And once you acknowledge that there is an issue and you, and you say, how can you fix it? I think that's where the pressure's on then mm -hmm. because people are gonna look back and say, hey, you said that, how can you, you acknowledge, if you don't acknowledge it was a problem, then maybe the pressure's not on. But I think the industry collectively acknowledges yeah, it's a problem. people put out statements. Right, saying, people put yeah. out statements. And so you've collectively acknowledged, okay, there's a problem mm -hmm. and we're gonna fix it. So I think people have to be reasonable in giving and allowing these companies time to get their plans together. How do you do it? And look back and it has to be a certain you know, uh, level of time that's granted to say, okay, it's been two years, what have you done? But at some point, people are going to look back and say, it's been X amount of time, what have you done? And there should be some progress. Yeah, and do you think that something like Project Destin is an example of a pro progressive move? Absolutely, because we're going to look back f and we're going to do this globally. And we're going to look, and not only are we going to be making an impact in the lives and communities of black and brown st uh, students, but we're gonna look back as a firm and it's gonna have made our firm better and we're gonna look back and say, wow, like look at the pipeline. We don't have to, you hear this now, oh, let's go sign up for recruiting at this um, historical black college or we're not gonna have to do that. It's gonna be so organic because we've created something genuine, mm -hmm. right? We did it, our intent was genuine. We knew the benefit we would provide would be impactful. That was something we wanted to do, but the business benefit to it is that we will have a sustainable pipeline. Because it is all about, I mean, obviously it's the right thing to do because it reflects clients, it reflects cities, it reflects society, but there's a business, a business benefit. benefit as well. There's a business benefit, and that business benefit will be, we'll have those relationships organically. We won't have to be what I call playing whack-a-mole, mm -hmm. where you see something, you hit it down, right? Oh, let's go to this black college and hit it down, right? No, we'll have relationships with a, on a number of different colleges and high schools because the colleges will have relationships because we have relationships with those high school students. Mm -hmm. And so we'll naturally have relationships with those college students. And then when we're doing this all around the country and all around the world, we'll naturally have relationships at the high school level, at the college level, and a pipeline that's just, it just works on its own, right? It's self-fulfilling. What do you think the problem has been, obviously, apart from racism, but when I, often when I talk to people, they say, oh, finance has done a really good job of like recruiting. What do you think commercial real estate's problem has been? It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to say. I know one of the things that I've heard, and it's true, but I don't think it's a reason that should have precluded anyone, is we can't find people at this level. We can't find, but that means we should, yeah, yeah, but that means we should have recruited them and trained them and professional developed them and got them ready for those roles, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that's always been the, what I, what I heard. Um, I, you know, and this is one of the things, I think Nuveen does a great job of recruiting and retaining diversity. You know, when I look at my team, I have a very diverse team from women, from white men, from, minorities, mm -hmm. right? It's reflective of the city, of, the, of the, what I would say the greatest society. I think organizations have been, um, have not had the conversation of, I get people want to recruit people that they like and look like them, it's easy and challenging them. Let's have that conversation. Let me challenge you to recruit somebody that doesn't look like yeah. you. And, it, and, and it's still a good, hey, you can be, you, they, you can like them, but maybe they don't look like you. And I think it's been always, hey, you know, it's been one of those relationship industries where it's like, you know, you, 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 I, I know you from somewhere or I knew you through something. 
and it's 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 been little it's been clubby and now it's time to break that up a little bit and 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 just start to intentionally add diversity what sorts of other measures do you think need to happen i mean i know like some companies do quotas where they're setting mandates of like how many people of color they need to hire how many women they need to hire do you think that's a good thing i personally never like you know quotas can um enforce bad behavior mm-hmm. and the bad behavior meaning that only reason why i'm doing it is because you're making me do it and you're watching me you really want people to do it because they think it's the right thing to do it's going to make the business better mm-hmm. and if they're doing it because of that you'll blow through your quota yeah. but if you're doing it only for a quota you're probably just going to meet your quota right which is not a good thing right you just want the business to be as dynamic and hire whoever's the best talent mm-hmm. as can be and if you know if you're making people do quotas that's what they're going to do they're going to fill the quota because they know it's it's my performance review or it's my pay or whatever it is and they'll they'll do that so i'm not a fan of that i'm a fan of coming together and understanding the business benefit of it talking people through it getting rid of those biases and then hopefully you got the right management in place that sees that the benefit of that and then they actively look to diversify the workforce from all from gender to cultural how much um involvement have you had with project destin so far have you been so working with the kids or have you done any anything yeah, we, we just kicked it off our teams are mentoring we got we, we have currently every other bi-weekly we have one and a half hour sessions mm-hmm. we'll have our head of research there we'll have person from acquisition somewhere else asset management all around our business mentoring the kids on various different aspects of their case study as well as um, the, the business in general um, and then we'll do further presentations in person we'll probably have them at our headquarters here at 730 to see a live project and how it came together um, and so it's going to evolve on the interactions but there'll be plenty yeah where do you think the barriers come up for them you know what um, so Cedric has such a comprehensive program of how he rolls out the concept and the way the concepts and the way he rolls them out in the modules that there's a way, you know, I can put a presentation together and deliver that presentation to an adult. That's very different than delivering a presentation to a teenage yeah. high school student. He knows how to get to them. So I don't see any in, in real estate is not the most complicated thing. <laughs> so, I, so I don't see, there's sophistication in it, but it's not the most complicated thing yeah. to digest around renters, around expenses, and around NOI, right? And <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. But what I'm saying is not the most where somebody's saying, wow, this is like, you know. And so he, so he has content that's actually delivered in a way that is very digestible to a high school student mm-hmm. that they can get it and they can get it quickly. And, 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 and so, that's not the challenge with them picking up the industry and they're not doing the most complicated deal either right they're just really getting an understanding of real estate and you build on that that's what it's all about it's about how do you spoon feed and how do you build on that because if you set a good foundation of understanding one is like oh I get that and then you give them B and they're like okay I get B and then you give them C no one's giving them to where we function today in the professional world around 
you know, F and all, yeah. right? They, they, they'll build to that over the years, mm -hmm. right? So they may be on A for the next two years while they're juniors and seniors, even freshmen, and then they'll step to A plus, and then maybe they'll go to B, right? And so that's the thing, it's all building on, but what he's doing, he's setting the right foundation so that they have a solid foundation of understanding of this business, and then they'll build on the complexities. It, the other thing that I've noticed that they say when I speak to them is that, um, they find they find him very inspiring mm -hmm. and, they, and then they feel really inspired by him and his life and what he's done and yes. the sorts of careers moves that he's made um, which I find really interesting yes. have you noticed that as well absolutely well that's that that is one of the I think that's going to be one of the transformational moments in commercial real estate when we finally see a number of senior executives that people below them could say wow that person looks like me mm -hmm. And, and that person's story is so inspiring how they got there, but they got there. Mm -hmm. And then they're willing to do whatever they can now to continue to progress and, and manage their career because they aspire for something. Mm -hmm. That is when like fascination happens, right? Because not only in their personal life and their communities and their families, but th whatever they're doing, they're gonna benefit whatever business they're working for too, because mm -hmm. you're gonna get a lot of production out of them, right? And so this is where, this is not a hand meet, this is not a handout. This is a mutual benefit for the next generation of employees as well as companies, and companies will probably be the net benefit of that. Yeah, that's what Cedric always says. It's not about pity or anymore or, you know, doing your philanthropy or whatever. It's about trying to find talent and yeah. do what you need to do to build a good business. That's right. Do you think that's a change in thinking that's happened in the past, I don't know, couple of years? Yeah, it's still evolving, right? right? We, we heard a lot of statements and um, we hope they're genuine, and we hope that people are putting action now into, into, into place to, to go ahead and implement plans that are going to look at their, work, their global workforce, their local workforce, whatever, in the next th three to five years looks very different than it maybe did pre-pandemic. Mm. Um, and so we th I think there's action, put it, because, because again, I can only go by the statements people made, I know, you know, you hear a lot of different um, organizations that these other firms have aligned with as well. Um, I think for a strategic relationship, this was sort of a global endeavor for us. I mean, we, you know, we really think that due to our footprint and our scale, that um, we can be, you know, sort of we can we can scale this program up. Mm. And um, it's just in New York at the moment. It's just in New York at the, the moment. Is to, is to pick another another city. We'll pick another city. We'll do the U.S. We'll then we'll do international. Mm. So it's got big big hopes for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got big hopes. Uh, we dream big. Yeah. But but we but but again, we think this is good business, right? Um, and if you're going to do it. And, and with someone like us, you can do it at scale because we got a global footprint. That's Nadia Settles, Managing Director at Nuveen. I'm Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and give us a review.